Kia this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. Kia ora Wellington, welcome to B-Side Stories. Can everybody hear me? Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Sadie, and also today I have Katia in the studio. Hello. Oh, there we go, there we go, worrying problem. It's just traditional that whenever I'm on, I start with a problem with my headphones. So, uh, yeah, they've got a worrying problem. You know, so just continuing in that grand tradition. This is B-Side Stories, the stories of the people who make Wellington tick. And we've got a really full studio here today. You might hear a bit of scruffling around because we have um, Finbar here who's going to be taking some photos for our Facebook page. <laughs> He's kind of coming through Wellington Time Bank um, who some of you may have heard us interviewing Wellington Time Bank. Um, oh, we've interviewed them a couple of times, actually. Check out the archive if you're interested. And we've got a couple of guests, and then we've also got myself and Katia. Hi, Katia. Kia ora koutou. Um, happy to be here today. I'm really excited to be talking to our first guest. Um, do you have any things you'd like to share before we jump into that, Sadie, or...? Should we just go for it? I can't actually remember what I've been doing lately. I'm sure it's been fascinating. I <laughs> 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 had a busy day. How about you? Have you been up to anything interesting? Um, I usually can't answer that question properly. I just forget. Every time someone asks me, I'm like, what have I been doing? Something must be interesting in there. <laughs> yeah. <same. laughs> but I think the interesting thing really today is our interviews. So I'm really happy to have here Miriam Barberich from Apopo. Kia ora, Miriam. How are you going today? Uh, it's been a bit of a crazy day, but we made it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we still have a bit to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Miriam is here. To, I invited here today mainly to talk to us about Apopo, which is Wellington's first indigenous creative tech program hub and co-working space. Is uh -huh. that right? Yes, and Miriam is also a co-founder of IDIA, which is a cultural creative consult consultancy, which uh, designs through an indigenous lens. Yes, indeed. Yeah. yeah. So all really exciting things. Um, I personally know Apopo because my Tereo Maori classes ah. are held there. So I've been really enjoying that space for during the last few months while it's been there. Sure. And and I thought it would be really interesting to hear more about it. Um, can you tell us, maybe before we go into Apopo, maybe tell us a bit about yourself and how you became connected to that? And for sure. And Namihiki um, Koto and Ko Waiō, ko um, Nati Maruki Hauraki, ko Nati Pikiao, ko Nati Rokawa, um, toku Fano, ko Marine Barbridge, toku Ingoa. Um, thank you for inviting me along today. Um, I didn't quite realise what I was getting myself into as I sit here in the studio, so <laughs> <laughs> kind of ran out the door. And it's really interesting to hear that you've been at our Pōpō doing te reo classes because that was um, our te reo classes have been at the heart of the creation of the hub and the space. Um, so that's it's really great to hear. Somebody else has been here, and we did wonder how you got our name, so that's great as well. <laughs> um, I suppose my background is that I've come through um, through communications and, and digital design as, as my um, 
mahi that I've been doing, and during that time I've had a, a digital agency with my um, business partner John Moore for the last 13 years called Experience, and in that time we created um, big government websites, and you know the the more complex the better really is the way we did that. However, during that time, even though our business was set up on um, indigenous values, um, I've always harked to actually um, work in, my, in a Māori environment, mm-hmm. and um, about two years ago with a friend of ours, Johnson Whittyheader, we decided it was time. And so we shut down one business and um, have opened IDEA, which is Indigenous Design and Innovation Aotearoa, which was um, to focus on designing futures through a Māori lens, uh, mm. through an Indigenous lens, really. So um, working with all of our friends and whanau across the, the Pacific and the world. Mm. Um, and when we created that, we realised that to, there were very few Māori designers that we can employ because it's not... A traditional career path for us so we thought well what's a way that we can encourage them to come and work for us yeah we thought we'll just grow our own so we created our pawpaw which was initially a, a um, program to grow the, the commercial design capability and capacity of Māori um, so that we could participate in the industry mm. um, and by d- being Māori, we needed a place that we could all congregate so we figured that um, if we created a hub where there were uh, practitioners and students, then together we could go forward and, and a more of a tour kind of tainer model where we mm. mentor each other through that process and, and that's really how we got to uh, the space that we're in today. Well, wow, sounds so, like yeah. a great journey. I'm really happy that you've yeah. got there with that <laughs> yeah. space. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's a, a we, it took us a while to find the space. Katia, you've been in, in the space. It's um, on the sixth floor of 234 Wakefield Street. Um, and what that space um, gave us was a connection to the, the moana. We can see uh, Whanganui Tara out the front window. Um, we can see uh, the whole of the maunga on the other side. And so it just means that we're connected to to the city, mm-hmm. and we actually sit on Te Pa. So we're uh, very connected with Te Atiawa as well. Right. So, yeah. And what have you um, what have you seen since Apopo started? What has happened? Well, night classes. Um, we actually created the space with Saran Kahukura, who runs uh, Te Atarangi Ki Pōniki. Um, and we created the space around a whare so that we could have night classes on Wananga within the environment. So um, we now have three night classes a week, so six, uh, 90 students a week come through uh, Apopo. And... Um, through that process, I suppose we've we've met lots of people, and they've started. That's meant that we've kind of spawned these relationships, which is was as a big part of the co-popper about creating relationships for everyone. And so the work has started to come for our for our um, our creative agency, but also uh, we have new residents in on in the um, the tari as well. So we have Fari Hawara who is. Um, uh, Hedia Tarangi, who run, runs a charity that creates uh, their sensors that go in the home and they measure the wellness of the home. Mm. And the whanau can manage the the temperature and the um, humidity within the home and, and keep their families well. Um, so we've been partnering with her. There's a company called Toha, um, Little uh, Big River Creative. They're also a part of us. And then we have seven internships that we've had come through this year as well. So seven students from... Um, Vic Uni actually in, in this realm we're also working with the other institutes as well but so yeah three month paid internships mm. and that's a pathway to to um, to 
commercialisation really, getting them to seeing how the, the workforce works, the industry works, and into jobs, and we'd like to keep them all. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah. and what would you say are the the points of difference of Apopo in comparison to other pro design digital design programs and hubs? For sure, uh, I think the. Being Kaupapa Māori mm. is, um, is obviously at the heart of it, so people come and wear unashamedly Māori first. Um, so that kind of puts a, a whole different spin on the way that we interact and the, um, the way that the spaces run. And more, more of these types of hubs are, are, are growing around the country, so we're now connected with seven other hubs mm. throughout Aotearoa, and our plan is, rather than to compete with each other, is to um, amplify and accelerate um, through through connection really, so we're saying things like if we have an event here in, in uh, Pūniki, let's simultaneous simulcast that throughout all of the hubs, and then nobody misses out throughout the nation. Mm -hmm. So it's that kind of tongue I suppose, um, and growing all of us, you know, to, to get. I mean, we we all need to grow quickly, so if we can do that together, then we'll um, accelerate learning and, and capability building. Yeah. Yeah. And and what do you think is the importance? So you were mentioning at the beginning that there are not many Maori mm -hmm. designers or maybe digital designers in particular. Yeah. I'm not sure. What do you think is the importance of increasing the number of, of Maori designers? Well, we say yeah, definitely commercial design is the gap. We have a lot of amazing artists mm. um, and artisans who who come through into the design space, but. Um, you know, there's there's times when you need dedicated um, focus in in knowledge around around design. I'm no carver or weaver, so so um, you know we all have our specialisms. But we say 70% of government services are for Māori and Pacific peoples, mm. and there are not 70% of the industry designing services for Māori and Pacific people. Mm. In fact, there's less than 2%. So that for us, that's the biggest important is that we're not designing services for the people who need them mm. through the lens of of which they live. Yeah. So yeah. So that's really the the main focus. Mm. And how do you see that? Um, I guess it's a bit subjective, but mm. like that that lens coming through the designs, especially maybe talking about government, mm -hmm. because it's such a big like you actually have to do a lot of your um, like private things through government <laughs> websites yes. and it like makes a huge difference if you're going to I don't know get a certain amount of money or get into this service or that service so what's the importance of having that Maori lens in there and how is it different from mm. the lens that has been used? I suppose that being collective peoples you know we have a different way of asking questions mm -hmm. it's more about us rather than me even when I'm um, being whānau focused you know we, we generally are there's more than just um, my own needs that, that are unnecessary. So when we ask those questions, design those services, we're always considerate of of that process, you know, of, of who else is involved, who this money will be going to, or who the service will touch. Also, we look at the um, past, present and future, and we look look back to come forward um, and consider the the the, heart, the hurt that has been experienced for some people and the way that quest certain questions will trigger you know, whether they participate or not. Um, and, and we, at the moment, kind of using the census as a classic example of where um, Māori basically barely participated. Why is that? How can we redesign the census so that we want to be involved and how can we do it so that in the future our services, you know, the census forms a lot of, a lot of the way that the government um, shapes design, designing the services for the citizens of Aotearoa. Mm. So, you know, what does that look like in the future if you had more... Māori voices within 
the census um, construct and data. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And does it relate, relate also to kind of a Kaupapa Māori approach of yes. Māori designing for Māori? For Māori, yeah. Mm. And we, was, we were talking about that this morning actually with, um, we have a Kaupapa Māori design methodology that we've put in among, alongside our mainstream design processes um, because they're all methodologies that are used to, you know, we can, we get that the benefit of being able to use the best of everything. Mm. Um, however, when we're working with Māori organisations, the the kinds of questions that we need to you ask, we, we don't need to ask because they already know. <laughs> it's just kind of, that is, they are Māori, so they designing for Māori is, is much easier. Yeah. Um, so it's just getting that balance as well as just getting our kids to understand when they're designing, you know, wh- which lens to use, how to engage those soft, softer skills as well. Mm. Yeah. And is it also like th- thinking about um, digital design in particular and how it's like continuous explosive growth of services mm-hmm. and things that are available through yes. that those channels um, uh, let, me, let me think about how to phrase this question <laughs> um, this for example you have a Kaupapa Māori design methodology is that something that you'd expect to be also available and used by non-Māori designers when designing in this context or not uh-huh. necessarily? Like, how does that yeah. work? <laughs> yeah, and that's an interesting question because many people do ask us if we'll come into a Māori um, design training course with their designers. Mm. And we said our preference would be to partner. Yeah. To partner and work together so yeah. that the, the outcome is a shared outcome so that we can bring our interns along and they get to learn how to design and, and perhaps be the future designers on those teams mm. rather than just teaching others um, without the culture to to pretend that they understand it. <laughs> you know, yeah. because even though even though you have the tools, if you don't have the perspective, it's a little harder to um, to actually design with integrity. Yeah. yeah. And and that is something that I guess has happened a lot in Aotearoa that those Maori tools that have been kindly shared has sometimes been used without that context and without that um, participation perhaps. For sure, yeah. Or that you go to a meeting and non Māori for Māori are then being trained, you know, being taken through a Māori process by it's a very strange situation to be in. Yeah, it's yeah. very complex. Eh? Yes, yeah. Um, in relation to that, yesterday I had my Tereo class yesterday and I saw in the wall there was like a really good um, set of questions to evaluate kind of the cultural uh-huh. integrity yes. of your project, which sure. I found an amazing tool. Can you tell us a bit about that kind of mahi? For sure. Um, we created the Cultural Integrity Scorecard um, in, actually in response to a client coming to us and asking us if we could post-rationalise the use of a Māori name for their product. Mm. And so they thought it'd be really good because they were New Zealanders. We use a Māori name. And so we said, oh, well, you know, do you know what the what the origins of the word are, where it comes from, how will you be using it, are you selling this, are commoditizing it, will you want to copyright it because it doesn't actually belong to you, it belongs to a culture, you know, all of those kinds of questions. So that's where that Integrity Scorecard came from. Um, and, yeah, we've had a lot of interest in it. Um, it's now being used globally as a, an exemplar. That's great. Yeah, which is really good. Um, so, and, and it spawned a lot of great conversations in the design sector as well. So, mm. yeah. That those were its origins. <laughs> That's great. And you also mentioned when talking about idea that um, it's not only an, a Maori lens, but an indigenous lens and that you're collaborating with um, other 
neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that and why why not only Maori and why go wider? And For sure. Um, I think many of the in- indigenous peoples um, live through in a, in a values system that is very familiar to us all. Mm. Um, we're actually heading to New York on Friday to work with uh, New York University on a global project for um, traditional knowledge labels, which uh, provide provenance and attribution, uh, indigenous provenance and attribution to all information. And the reason that we're involved in is because we, as indigenous peoples, we can understand and empathise with other Indigenous peoples. So even if we've got frameworks that we can share with with others, um, that's a great space. I think the other thing is that Aotearoa is the only country in the world with a treaty. Um, so as, as much as we think we're, you know, we're, st- we're still on our journey and on our, on our um, fight for equity, other nations are in, in even uh, worse situations than we are. Um, so yeah, so that's where we see that opportunity to work with other Indigenous races to um, help raise everybody at the same time. That sounds amazing. Heading <laughs> yeah. to New York, eh? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah we're not sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be cold, but I, I think I can cope. <laughs> Surely it'll be beautiful. Yeah. Um, and in terms of also that collaboration, um, Apopo is also um, a co-working space, yes, right? So yeah. you're also open to whomever renting some sure. space and working from there. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. um, there's, we have a 30-seat shared workspace mm-hmm. um, and we've got about 15 residents at the moment. But the, the idea is that other Indigenous uh, businesses can come, but also other organisations who have a Māori, uh, a kaupapa that enables Indigenous people to thrive. Mm. So it, is, it isn't exclusive, um, but we, we do ask that the kaupapa is relevant and um, having so many of us all in one place the businesses would learn a lot very quickly yeah. <laughs> about, you know, how um, on point, really, I suppose, or how relevant their service offering is to Indigenous peoples or that they're using culture in the right way. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> and have you seen any kind of unexpected things come out from this um, from this wahi, this shared space? Yeah, I mm. think that um, we recently did a program of work with uh, Wananga with Tawa College. And because they're Māori students in technology, um, their their cohort came up. And the biggest change there was that the kids just immediately felt at home. As much as um, people, you know, people, when we first set up the hub, people going, well, why do you need it? There's other spaces. But having something that's kaupapa Māori that um, looks and feels like us, but is in a, in a very professional, it's quite a professional, um, you know, it looks, it's like another office space, but yeah. But set up around tikanga, um, the kids really connected with it mm. and said that, that that's the kind of place they would like to work in the future. So people kind of seem to feel this this wairua mm. when they come in. And um, as much as we'd hoped that that would happen, um, it happened. So, <laughs> so yeah, we're pretty happy about that. Great. Yeah. And any um, unexpected collaborations that come have come um, up yeah, from New, it? New York mm. has been quite unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We didn't think we'd be heading there quite yet. Um, I think the collaborations, or the, you know, we have come from a, a commercial business lens, so we're used to um, competing. But I think this space is giving us the opportunity to collab- collaborate and um, amplify each other rather than them being really grabby around our work and yeah what it's actually seeing is people coming in and saying how can we work together so yeah I think oh. there's been a really positive out of it 
That's awesome. I really yeah. hope it ripples on to many other commercial areas in Wellington. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today, Miriam, and all the best for your trip to New York. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Miriam. Um, I am just going to pop on a song about um, about Paddying from the Balkanistas, who are a Wellington band who I don't think exist anymore, but there is a new one called Balcony. Um, can't find them online, though. So, and then when we come back, we're going to be talking to Gabriela Jimenez Rojas about women in urbanism.